Part six, chapter eighteen of Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. The Slipperbox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne Spiegel. Anna looked at Dolly's tired, worn face, with the wrinkles powdered with dust, and was on the point of saying that she looked thin, but, realizing that she herself had grown more beautiful than ever, and that Dolly's eyes told her so, she sighed and began to talk about herself. "'You are studying me,' she said. "'You are wondering if I can be happy in my position. "'Well, what can I say? "'It is shameful to confess it, but I—I I am unpardonably happy. "'What has happened is like a piece of enchantment, "'like a dream where everything was terrible, agonizing, "'and suddenly you wake up and realize that it was only a nightmare. "'I had been asleep. "'I had suffered awful agonies. "'And now that is all long, long past.' and how especially happy I am now that we are together. And she looked at Dolly with a timid, questioning smile. How glad I am, Darya Alexandrovna answered, more coldly than she wished. I am glad for you. But why have you not written me? Why? Because I did not dare to. You knew my position. Not dare? To me? If you knew how I— Dolly was about to tell her about the reflection she had had on the journey, but somehow it did not seem to her to be the fitting place. "'We will have our talk by and by,' she added. "'What is that group of buildings, or little village, rather?' she asked, wishing to change the conversation, and pointing to some green and red roofs which appeared through the acacias and lilac trees. But Anna did not reply to her question. "'No, no. How do you feel about my position?' "'What do you think of it? Tell me,' Anna went on. "'I think,' began Darya Alexandrovna, but at this instant Vasenka Veslovsky, in his short jacket, spurring the cob into a trot with his right leg, and creaking terribly on the leather side-saddle, went dashing by them. "'It goes, Anna Arkadyevna,' he shouted. Anna did not even look at him, but again it seemed to Darya Alexandrovna that it was impossible to begin on this long conversation in the carriage, and so she said less than she thought. "'I do not think about it at all,' said she. "'I love you, and always have loved you, and when we love people so, we love them for what they are, not for what we wish they were.' Anna turned her eyes away from her friend's face, half-closing them in order to better take in the meaning of the words— this was a new habit, which Dolly had never seen in her before. Apparently she interpreted her friend's answer as she wanted, and she looked at Dolly. "'If you have any sins, they will all be blotted out by this visit and by your kind words,' she said, and Dolly saw that her eyes were dimmed with tears. She silently took her hand. "'What are those buildings? What a lot of them!' said Dolly, again, after a moment of silence. "'Those are the roofs of our buildings.' "'Our barns and stables,' replied Anna. "'Here our park begins. "'It was all neglected, but Alexey has made it new again. "'He is very fond of this kind of occupation, "'and to my great surprise he has developed a passion for farming. "'Ah, he is a rich nature. "'Whatever he undertakes he excels in. "'He not only does not get bored, "'but he is passionately interested in it. "'I do not know how, but he is making a capital farmer, "'so economical.' almost stingy, but only in farm ways. For things of other sorts he will spend ten thousand roubles and never give it a thought. 
She said this with that joyously crafty characteristic smile of women when they speak of the men they love, and the secret peculiarities which they alone know about. Do you see that large building? That is a new hospital. I think it will cost him more than a hundred thousand. It is his hobby just now. Do you know what made him build it? The peasants asked him to reduce the rent of some meadows, but he declined to do so, and I told him he was stingy. Of course, it wasn't altogether that, but everything taken together, so he began to build the hospital to prove my charge unjust. C'est un petitesse, perhaps, but I love him the better for it. Now in a moment you'll see the house. It was built by his grandfather, and the outside hasn't been changed at all. How beautiful! cried Dolly, with involuntary surprise at the sight of a stately home ornamented with columns and surrounded by a park filled with ancient trees of various shades of green. Isn't it beautiful? And the view from the second story is magnificent. They came to the dvor, or court, paved with small stones and ornamented with flower beds. Two workmen were at this moment surrounding a bed filled with loom and roughly trimmed stones. They stopped under a covered entrance. Oh, they have already arrived, said Anna, as she saw the saddle horses being led away. Isn't that horse a pretty creature? That cob, he is my favorite. Bring him here and give him some sugar. Where's the count? she asked of the two servants in livery who came hurrying out to receive them. Ah, here he is, added she, perceiving Vronsky with Veslovsky coming to meet them. Where shall we put the princess? asked Vronsky of Anna, in French, and, without waiting for an answer, once more greeted Darya Alexandrovna, and this time he kissed her hand. In the large balcony chamber, I suppose. Oh, no, that is too far off. Better put her in the corner chamber. We shall see more of each other. Come, come, she said, giving her favorite horse some sugar, which the lackey had brought. Et vous oubliez vos terres du voie, she added, turning to Veslovsky, who was already in the porch. Pardon, je n'ai tout plein la pouche, he replied, smiling, and thrusting his fingers into his waistcoat pocket. Mais vous venez trop tard, she replied, wiping her hand, which the horse had mouthed in taking the sugar. Anna turned to Dolly. "'You'll stay with us a long time,' said she. "'Only one day? That is impossible.' "'That is what I promised, and the children,' answered the latter, ashamed at the wretched appearance of her poor little travelling-bag, and at the dust with which she felt herself covered. "'No, Dolly, Dushenka. However, we'll talk of that by and by. Come up to your room,' and Anna conducted Dolly upstairs. The room was not the chamber of honour which Vronsky offered her, but one where she could be nearer Anna. But even this room, though they felt it needful to apologise for it, was furnished with a luxury such as she was not accustomed to, and which recalled the most sumptuous hotels that she had seen abroad. "'Well, Dushenka, how glad I am,' said Anna, seating herself for a moment in her riding-habit. "'Tell me about your family. I saw Steva just an instant, but he could not tell me anything about the children.' How is my darling Tanya? She must be a great girl. Yes, very large, answered Dolly, laconically, astonished that she answered so coolly about her children. We are all living charmingly with the Levens, she added. There, if I had known, said Anna, that you wouldn't look down on me, you all would have come here. Steva is an old and good friend of Alexey's, said Anna, blushing. Yes, but we are so well, began Dolly, in confusion. "'Well, 
I am so happy. I talk nonsense. Only, Dushenka, I am so glad to see you, said Anna, kissing her again. But you would not tell me what you think about me. I want to know all. But I am so glad that you see me just as I am. My only idea, you see, is to avoid making people think that I am making any display. I don't want to make any display. I want simply to live and not do any harm to anyone but myself. Am I not right about it? However, we'll talk of all this at our leisure. Now I'm going to change my dress. I will send you a waiting-maid. End of chapter 18